0: All right, everyone, welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast, this is Dustin. And before we get into our content today, we have a very, very special ad read uh, for all the guys out there. And do you remember the days when you were always just ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. So listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved action ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com to get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Armchair. You just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com with the promo code Armchair to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast.
1: Hey, guys. Thanks, Dustin, for that great read. We're back. You know, we're here to talk some UVA sports. It's kind of a rarity for us, you know. It's a midweek podcast. You know, we're normally we're normally Sunday guys,
0: you know. Usually, yeah. Rob's working, and I'm too tired. But this week, it worked out. Yeah, we're still tired. You're still but tired. We're just not at work right now, which we, is great. We can't stop, won't stop. The <laughs> grind of UVA sports is non-stopping. Absolutely. And we had to get one out because... We've had a lot of stuff going on. We had the Virginia Georgia Tech game on Saturday, this past Saturday. We also had uh two basketball games, one last week, the Syracuse game and also the game against JMU. We're going to talk about all of that. Uh this is going to be a medium length pod cuz we we're probably going to run long and that's just like how it, we normally do, but that's just how it goes cuz we got to talk about a lot of stuff. So, uh let's start off with the football because that's kind of On our minds currently, and we also have a bye week this week, so not a lot of stuff to look forward to, especially with Liberty being our next opponent. But we do want to talk about the Georgia Tech game because there is some stuff that came out of that. Even though it was a win, it's kind of an ugly win, and some some good things come out and also some bad things come out of it. So let's go ahead and start with that. Uh, Rob and I were both there for YAR, for homecoming, and we had a great time. Saw a lot of friends. Uh, Sat in the student section again, which felt good. But um, it was kind of a rough game, especially in the first half.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, you talk about sitting in the student section. So I went up and got popcorn at the end of the <laughs> third quarter. And I came back down because we were like five rows up. And I came back down. I was like, wow, there's, there's not a lot of people here right now. Yeah. But that's that's okay. That's a topic for another discussion, which maybe we'll get to. But, uh, yeah, you know, you take, you take wins when you can get them, man. You know, unfortunately, you know, we didn't blow them out. Uh, the Vegas— point spread I think it was 16 16 and a half was a bit generous didn't quite get there but at the end of the day five point win counts the same as a 50 point win it's a win it's a conference win and one thing that I found interesting so it's Wednesdays we actually kind of get the benefit of thoughts that are going through the week right now Mm -hmm. so Bronco has his coach's corner show yesterday last night with Dave Kane and we were talking about this before the episode what Bronco compared this to which I don't think is entirely apples to apples, but I think it's a valid comparison. He compared this to the Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech game last year, you know, coming off these back-to-back wins against Carolina and Georgia Tech, conference wins. You know, what he said was these are the close games last year that this team got close to in November but didn't win, and now they're able to win. And obviously the cloud lingering over the entire program is can you beat Virginia Tech? But at the same point, I did think that argument had some uh some merit to it what do you think about that Dustin
0: I think it's a good uh comparison but I don't I mean it's clearly different that team was a lot different than this team but I do like the way that we have been finishing games and even especially the Carolina game even though the defense was really bad that whole game they came out and they really uh held their ground in the bat last two drives against Carolina uh both foreign uh fourth down uh stops which was incredible especially the way that they'd been playing all all game. And then the Georgia Tech game, you know, Georgia Tech just kept, you know, fighting back and they were tearing our secondary apart. And we'll talk about that later, but you know, th- there was a lot of fight in our team especially to come out in the second half and uh shut Georgia Tech down until uh really when the game was over. And uh Georgia Tech didn't really have that much of a chance to come back. So that was nice to see is that our team is much better at finishing than it used to be. And I know we can look back at the Notre Dame game and we can look back at the Miami and the Louisville game and say, hey, that team got worse after halftime. And But I think it, it's good that our team is now kind of more of an, on an upward trajectory as opposed to that downward tra- trajectory that we saw at the beginning of the season.
1: What would you attribute the new trajectory to?
0: Something changed in the offense, and I don't know what it was. I think Bronco probably shook Anai by the collar and said, what are you doing with this offense? And, um, you know, it worked. And Anai has changed what he's done. The play calling's a lot better. And I know that we played a really bad defense in Georgia Tech last week, but uh, the play calling was still able to get a lot of guys open. We saw some big plays, which was nice. Bryce was running around, which is great. Uh, He looks healthy. He looks like he's uh, not scared anymore. So I think the playbook is kind of more open because of that. And I also think that uh, with the defense, you know, they've really dug in their heels. And I think that has to attribute to the coaching and the players are prepared for what to expect in those kinds of situations.
1: Yeah. So really, I'll say there's three things contributing to this. And Bronco brings up two consistently. A, the easy answer is the health of Bryce Perkins. And he's obviously way farther along than he was at the beginning of the season and You know, I still don't think he's entirely where he was last year. I remember just being blown away by just his athleticism and his burst, that opener against Richmond last year, and some of it was probably the shock and awe factor. But I do think there's still a little bit more Bryce has in him, and maybe he'll get there. Maybe he'll get there against Liberty and Virginia Tech. But obviously the better health of Bryce Perkins has been a huge component. The runs he's able to rip off, the 65-yarder against Carolina – 40 plus yarder that drive right before halftime against georgia tech that's a huge thing uh second is the offensive line and let's let's not you know go crazy the offensive line is still a weakness Mm -hmm. but it's been more consistent the same six guys or the same five guys have started the past six games you know it's been more consistent less rotation now they did rotate joe bissinger in there against georgia tech which is a little interesting but there's been less tackle rotation it's been more solidified and the third, which I think we both want to touch on a lot, third thing, wide receivers. These mm-hmm. wide receivers are have come a long way. And I'll tell you, my my fears kind of before the season about their inability to produce potentially, I mean, I was wrong, 100%. They, yeah, these cold, guys. Cold have,
0: take from Rob saying yeah. receivers were the worst unit on the team.
1: Well, if you looked at what they were last year, they— yeah. Oh, no, the,
0: not not bringing back a lot. Cease we knew— uh, Joe Reed was kind of a wild card, and Janna really had never shown us anything yeah. at all. And this year, I, I think, and I brought this up as something I want to talk about, is Janna has really stepped up the past two games. Uh, he's, he's made some incredible catches. His route running looks good. Hasis is just consistent. Joe Reed is electric. I mean, whenever he gets the ball, it seems like he is going to go far, at least for some yards. And, you know, it was weird. He wasn't on the kickoff return team a lot but Kelly and Kemp were doing great so I mean our kickoff and return team still look good and Joe Reed they're finding ways to get him the ball more on offense which is you know kind of what we wanted and get get creative with Joe Reed because he's such a weapon but he was only hurting teams on kickoffs and they finally figured out not to kick it to him anymore so he wasn't very useful back yeah. there.
1: Well a big part of it was Alamine was such a good receiver and I think what we're kind of finding is in the receiver position, Joe Reed and Alameda kind of ideally play very similar roles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Joe Reed, I guess, was playing a little bit out of position last year, you know, not getting the looks or the touches that he's getting this year because they were going to Alameda. Mm-hmm. So we've seen Joe Reed get those opportunities. But just pulling up the season stats at risk of boring you guys. But, you know, on the season, Haseez Dubois, 49 catches for 679 yards. Terrell Jana, 52 catches for 578 yards. Joe Reed, 61 catches for 530 yards. And Joe Reed is really, like you look at this, out of those three receivers, Joe Reed has the lowest average per catch by a couple yards. He's averaging 8.7 yards per catch, but he's the most explosive of the three, mm-hmm. which is just the Alameda role. You know, Alameda was our most explosive receiver for years, but he typically had the lowest average because they were just going to him so frequently. Right. It's the same role that they're playing. And, you know, Joe Reed, I think he had 24 catches last year, and with two games left in the season, he's more than doubled that already you know this receiving group not to mention you know uh Tavares Kelly who broke the rock against Georgia Tech as well as Billy Kemp who you know played really well had a couple big catches he had a touchdown that got called back on the first drive Mm -hmm. um you know both these guys were playing well and finally kind of up to what we've heard they've been able to do at practice so you have three very reliable targets you know Terrell Jana two back-to-back 100-yard games two emerging guys not to mention Tanner Cowley. I mean, this is the most we've seen a tight end involved in the offense in the Robert and I years mm-hmm. these past couple of games. So, you know, this receiving core has just far exceeded expectations and you know, they've to me they've been such a huge part of, you know, these past uh couple wins because they're they're the ones producing. It's not the running game producing. It's not the running backs producing. It's these wide receivers.
0: Yeah, and you know, we actually have th- those top 3 wide receivers uh, We have three of them, they're in the top eight in receptions in the ACC. Joe Reed's at number three, Terrell Jan is at number five, and two Dubois at number eight. And I think this shows a lot about, you know, what we're trying to do with the ball. And I also think it says a lot about our personnel because, you know, their yards are not nearly as much as other people's. But I think it still goes to show that, You know, we're getting them the ball a lot. We're getting the ball to our playmakers. And our offense is much more dynamic because of it.
1: And it's different. And it's very different from the offense we've seen last year, especially. And remember, you know, these guys at BYU, this coaching staff, it was always a spread offense, but it was a run-first spread offense. Mm -hmm. And last year, you kind of saw that, too. They wanted to run the ball with Jordan Ellis. They wanted to run it with Bryce Perkins. You know, it was almost a 50-50 split as far as run and passes go. It's just not the case this year. And, you know, it was frustrating at times. And... I'd still think we need a good ground game. And thankfully, the past two games, one thing that has helped is the ability to score touchdowns in the red zone through the run game, through some new play calling that we've mm-hmm. seen. So, you know, even some snaps under center. Can you believe that? I know. But- <laughs> it was crazy.
0: I lost my mind that we've done that like, what, once or twice yeah, per game? We and have a- <laughs> shocker. It's working. And yeah. we can get the ball more effectively into the end zone. It's incredible how that works.
1: But, you know, you're leveraging even the guys, even the plays that aren't necessarily out of the. Um, out of under center you know you saw you know uh Wayne Talapapa served as lead blocker for the kind of pulling play for Bryce first touchdown in the first half um in Georgia Tech so you're seeing more diverse play calling around the goal line and you know I still think you need the ground game threat but that's honestly what Bryce Perkins has provided these past couple games and you know that draw it was a draw play you know Tavares Kelly right before halftime of the Georgia Tech Brings the kickoff back to midfield, and it was a long developing draw play. Same thing we saw last year against Mm -hmm. Richmond, but that was 100% a draw play. You watch that replay, uh, Oluwatimi snaps the ball, and he's heading straight downfield. So, you know, they're getting Bryce Perkins involved in the run game. You know, again, you know, like we said, it's a little dangerous. You're playing with fire, but you got two games left. I think at this point, I think at this
0: point in the season, we know what we have, and we know what we have to do in order to win. And the the two games that we have left are important. They're well the last game is the most important. It's going to be the most important of the season because it's probably going to come down to us versus Tech for the Coastal. Mm-hmm. And whether it goes to Tech or someone else is up to Tech, but we are fighting for our Coastal chances against Tech. And at this point it's all or nothing. Yeah. And after that I think it's just kind of, you know, whatever. Like a bowl game's great, ACC Championship's great, but uh I think beating Tech right now is the sole focus of this team.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess as we go into the bye week, hopefully there's a little thought on Liberty. Hopefully Liberty doesn't need a lot of thought. But at the same time, they're not a bad team. I really you
0: don't know. want to have another ODU situation. <laughs> you and me both. And, I you know,
1: know, last year Liberty hung with us for the first half. Yeah, It was a back-and-forth game until the second half. We,
0: we, we ended up beating them pretty good last year.
1: Well, you know, it was. I think it was a three- or seven-point game when they went for it on fourth and one right. uh, on their own 20-yard line. And mm-hmm. it, it was a weird play design. The pass fell incomplete. Brendan Nelson broke it up. Unfortunately, we don't have Brendan Nelson for the remaining season. Or any of our quarterbacks. Um, but let's talk about that because the, our next two games are against teams that are probably better at passing than running. Liberty, for sure. You know, Liberty comes from their offense is similar to, um, you know, it, it's a spread offense. They're going to throw the field. and Virginia Tech. You know, all of a sudden gets new life with Hendon Hooker. They have won four out of their last five. And the receiving core has an argument to be one of the top units in the ACC. You know, Dave and Hazleton, Trey Turner, Dalton Keene, those guys can play. So when you compare that to where our secondary is, very injured, Mm -hmm. how does that make you feel? You know, Liberty, hopefully we can still take care of business, but it's not not a pencil in a win game. We thought ODU was, and that ended up not being the case. Virginia Tech, obviously, a different animal.
0: I think when it comes to Virginia Tech, I think one thing that we have going for us is that Hooker's a young quarterback, and young quarterbacks don't tend to do well under pressure. And that's a real big generalization, but I I haven't seen anything from Hooker to show me that he's a next-generational passer like uh, Trevor Lawrence or or, uh, Tua. And um, so what I'm saying is that Virginia defense they like to blitz a lot and they actually blitz on about 44 percent of their plays yeah 41 percent third 41%. most of
1: power five teams Third most per of David power, Hale per, per <laughs> David
0: Hale and that's an incredible stat I didn't realize we were blitzing that much
1: I knew we were blitzing a lot but it it means more when you put it in that context I guess
0: I guess when you play a 3-4 you blitz a lot because of just your personnel
1: I mean, Charles Snowden is good at dropping back. It doesn't have to. Charles be that Snowden way. is
0: Charles Snowden was guarding in the slot against Georgia Tech. Noah Taylor point. did some which too, which is which is blows my mind. A six seven guy in the slot. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm what I'm saying is that if we bring the pressure, in some ways it takes it puts pressure on the secondary and it also takes pressure off the secondary because they've got like less time that they have to deal with those receivers, but they're also going to be one on one a lot. And this is what we've been seeing over the past couple of weeks is. When we blitz, we're putting our receivers on an island, and there are some big plays against the secondary the past couple weeks. Touchdowns of 59 yards for Georgia Tech. Uh, UNC had several over 40, all for touchdowns. And this is a big problem because the secondary coming in was one of our strengths, and that was one of the reasons why we were blitzing a lot at first is because we could afford to. You know, We had the secondary that was uh, best in the country, I think. Now we have a secondary that's probably one of the worst in the ACC. And that's not to say that it's anyone's fault. You know, we had injuries. We have guys that are inexperienced. They're going to get better with time and with a couple practices, but they were thrown into the mix, you know, without warning after after we had all those guys go down. And so against UNC and against Georgia Tech, you know, we had some plays that probably would have been prevented if we had our best guys out there, yeah. which we didn't.
1: I mean, I think you can point to the first touchdown by Georgia Tech for sure because yeah. Chris Moore got beat and— you know ended up going out for the game he's supposed to be back by the liberty game which would be big depth wise but yeah you know this is it's different than what it was the last season and i'm a big believer and last season kind of put this theory to the test and we'll see how these next two games play out but i'm a big believer that defensively you win in the front seven it's great to have good corners it's great to have good safeties but i'm a big believer on defense you win in the front seven and you got to own the line of scrimmage. you got to get after the quarterback. And that's really going to be how this team has to win these next two games. Because I think the defensive backs, you know, Joey Blunt and Devontae Cross, you know, assuming Devontae Cross moves back to safety with Heskin Smith coming off of injuries, now you have three corners that will probably be playing. Nick Grant, Heskin Smith, and Jalen Baker. So you get Devontae Cross at safety, Joey Blunt at safety, Chris Moore, assuming he's back healthy there for depth. I think that's, those are the six guys you're playing with, but it's not what it was to start the season. You don't have Brendan Nelson, you don't have Bryce Hall, and then the other guys that got hurt, the depth guys, the Antonio Clarys, the Darius Braddens, you know those guys. So it's not what it used to be. And I think how this team is going to have to win is they're going to have to get pressure. And we saw it against UNC in the final drives. They brought the pressure. They brought the heat. They got in Sam Howell's face, forced some throws, made him go off his first read and he wasn't always ready for the second one and we started to see it a bit in the second half they didn't come after georgia tech as much but we saw a little bit the pressure heat up jordan mack got back there not for sacks but he got in uh their quarterback's face a few times i think that's how it's gonna have to go you're gonna the defensive line is gonna have to own the line of scrimmage and the linebackers are gonna have to make plays i think that's really you know how this team is gonna win the games they're not gonna go belk bowl and shut down a South Carolina offense with the secondary this year it's gonna have to come from the front seven and you
0: know that's all that, that's high talk coming you know from a team that hasn't owned the lines against Virginia Tech in 15 years yeah so <laughs> so it's a tough order and it's gonna be really difficult and honestly I think that this game against tech might be a shootout it yeah. really could be because I think, I, be. I think tech's tech's offense has started to click and UVA's offense has started to click. Although, with Bud Foster's last game, uh, Tech might shut us out too. And that wouldn't <laughs> surprise me at all. And it just might be a horrible day all over again. But I'm hoping that I we can much. actually stick with them this year. I think it's going to be a good game no matter what. And I'm excited to see what we bring against Liberty next week and see if we can rest some guys, play some guys until the you know third quarter, and then sit them all. Yeah, and then right. just kind of ride it out. Hopefully, that's what we can do. Uh, is there anything else you want to touch on for football?
1: Well, so because it is the bye week, one, one idea we had quickly, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but just kind of a, a going back point, because some some of our loyal listeners to the podcast you know, have let us know, hey, guys, you're not always right. Guess what? Shocker. We're, we're <laughs> wrong a lot, especially
0: yeah. when it comes to ranking our position groups.
1: Yeah, so Dust <laughs> and I kind of want to go through this again. <laughs> If so we ranked our position groups to start the season and you know we were right about some things and wrong about others. Very wrong
0: about some things.
1: So do we I guess to recap, so we did our top five, which to at the beginning of the season we said secondary was one, linebackers two, quarterback was three, O line was four, and defensive line, line was, was five. five. So let's let's revisit that, you know, 10 games end of the season. Let's let's start from the top and go. To, we don't need we don't need the suspense here.
0: Many things have changed. Yeah. So But our confidence has not. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to be right about this one.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got two games to be wrong. Hey, maybe a few more, but
0: uh, and we have talked about this. So I think we're at a consensus as yeah, to what, what we we're going to say. Number 1, best position group. Rob, what is it? It's linebackers. Fine but easy. Yeah. I think that's the easiest decision we've ever had to make
1: I think so it's, it's a great unit top to bottom Snow- unfortunately the depth isn't ideally especially the middle linebacker mm-hmm. spot losing Rob Snyder we wish he had a little bit more but yeah no it's it's a good group of guys I
0: think I think uh you know we've got a, a star in Snowden and Mac uh Zane Zandir is a headhunter and I kind of like it mm-hmm. uh Noah Taylor is a stud next gonna be a stud next year he's a athletic freak yep uh he's great and we got some great guys on the the on the linebackers. They've held this defense together even when it was, you know, flailing over the past couple weeks. So I think they're great. And our second position group.
1: I'd say wide receivers.
0: And I would say quarterback, but I think we can well, put this at a tie.
1: Yeah. Well Dustin I have quarterback as third, Dustin has receivers as third. So we can talk about both. Two
0: two A, two B. Yeah. And I think I think the reason why I have quarterback at two is because I think that Bryce now that he's fully healthy, is really showing what he can do and it's really opened up the offense a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's I still think I think he's like in third and a half gear, if that's a thing. I still yeah. think there's a lot le- extra half gear he can get to, but, you know, he's been great. And obviously the big thing with him too and you know not not to toot Robert and I's horn necessarily, but there hasn't been turnovers the past couple is it, games. Is
0: Anaya genius? I don't know. Should well- we fire him or should we give him a raise?
1: Never talk about turnovers (laughs) after that Virginia Tech game. Last year, I don't want to hear it. But no, no, two I mean, it is a real thing. Bryce Perkins has not thrown an interception, lost a fumble the past two games. So that's contributed a lot to the offensive success and winning these one score games. And, you know, I think it's been great. But, you know, going back to the wide receivers, we already touched on them a little bit, but you have three legitimate threats and Reed, Jana, and Dubois. You have two emerging guys and Kemp. And Kelly, hopefully that continues because we're going to need him next yeah, year. Yeah, we, sure.
0: we didn't even really talk about them. But they had fantastic games against Georgia Tech.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know Tanner Kelly getting utilized. You know, I think I think it's been a tremendous development. And like I said, this is you knew Dubois was going to come out and mm-hmm. be consistent and perform, and then the stat comes out about Dubois. He's caught like. Forty something in a row, catchable balls. I don't know if that's still intact after the Georgia Tech game. I hope it is. I think it is.
0: I don't remember him dropping anything.
1: Anyway, you know, just tremendous hand, gets gets the ball when he wants it, and you got all these other guys, and it's been a tremendous development for this season Mm -hmm. and absolutely necessary for some of these big games.
0: Right. And so our two A two B receivers and quarterback. And I think going on to number four, we had the special teams. (laughs) <laughs> we didn't rank the
1: special teams before. We didn't. So we'll talk about this. That was, we'll a, mis- the special that was
0: teams. a mistake, I think, because special teams has been really good this season. I know Joe Reed has been playing on kickoffs recently, but uh, Joe Reed has kind of revolutionized our kickoff game. It, you know, we're, we're uh, swinging the ball back to him when even when he doesn't get it. So I think that's really for a couple of weeks was the most exciting part of our games was the kickoffs and how far could Joe get every time. And I think our punting has been really solid this year uh delaney's been great on kickoffs Mm -hmm. his field goal is you know his field goal kicking is okay it's not it's not great but he hasn't missed in a while which is good so i would say special teams is our fourth best unit
1: yeah just just a couple stats just because i pulled him up you know one thing that really impressed me nash griffin out of his punts he's had 38 punts 18 of them have gone inside the 20 yard line Uh two are 50 plus and only three touchbacks
0: and he had that bomb against Carolina
1: yeah and now Brian Delaney he is uh uh 15 for 19 on field goals so he's doing all right there obviously the return game you know you mm -hmm. had the big returns by Joe Reed Tavares Kelly had the big returning and and even the punt
0: returning has been pretty good I mean Kemp hasn't fumbled since the first couple weeks yeah and even Kelly was returning some punts last week too so I think I think you know overall our special teams is really good and I know that you know. We were complaining a couple of weeks ago about starters on special teams, but I think that when you have the role players in there doing their thing, I think that they're doing really well. And yeah. if you teach guys how to do special teams really well, they can do it.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of like our intermission thing because we didn't rank them last time, but special teams have definitely exceeded, exceeded expectations. For sure.
0: Well. I didn't even, I mean, I know it's much more than one position group, but like. The special teams have been great this year. Yeah. I think it has yeah, a lot man. to do with our success.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you've got guys from seniors to freshmen playing on those units, yeah. and the specialists have been good too. Yeah. So I guess for uh, D line, I, I do like the D line this year. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been flashy, but it's been consistent. There's depth. Depth so much so that Tommy Chris got moved from defensive line to offensive line, which, you know, maybe, maybe his lack of playing time contributed to the D commitment. From Jimmy Chris, but that's neither here nor there. But anyway. Ways. Anyway, let's not go uh, down that rabbit hole. So, but yeah, defensive line, Juwan Briggs has been a big addition. And knock on wood, I think we're going to keep Ben Smiley's redshirt. He's only played mm-hmm. two games. That's been a good development. We'll miss Eli Handback, but Alonso has played well. You know, Famui's played well. You know, we're also probably going to get a redshirt for Jordan Redman. Because Jordan Redman, because of the depth, has only played a game or two. Mm-hmm. So Jordan Redman will most likely be a redshirt sophomore next year. Good. So... You know, we've been getting production, Richard Burney. We've been getting production out of these guys. It's been a good development for this team.
0: Yeah, I think I think our D-line has, uh, you know, played all right. And they're right about where we had them last time, which is fine. Yeah. Um, number five. I go
1: secondary. And I yeah, think, even with all the injuries. I think that's the thing is you have to consider the injuries when ranking these guys because— as you're going through these next two games, you know, Bryce Hall isn't going to be there. Darius Bratton isn't going to be there. Brendan Nelson isn't going to be there. Depth guys aren't going to be there. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to take that in, into consideration.
0: I, I think I think you're right. And, you know, Nick Grant's played really well this season. Far uh, or exceeded my expectations. And he was someone who, you know, at the beginning of the year, we were saying might hold the secondary back a little bit, especially when um, uh, we had guys getting hurt right at the beginning of the season. We're like, ah, Nick Grant's going to have to play. But he's been really good. And uh, Joey Blunt had a, has had a really good season so far. Yep. Uh, not perfect by any means, but really good uh, from the safety blitz spot. And his he plays bigger than he is, and I think that his run stopping ability has been really good and really shined this year.
1: Yeah, and you know the kind of you know it, it comes into personnel a lot. You know, Juan Thornhill is a heck of a player, and uh-huh. I just. I wish for his sake we could have seen him and for our sake we could have seen him play safety for three years instead of having to play corner for right, two years. Right. But you know, Joey Blunt is the only guy on the secondary with multiple interceptions. He has three and then uh, five other guys have one interception. Sorry, four other guys have one interception. So, you know, he's the only guy who's had multiple interceptions this year. And just to give you an idea of kind of how ridiculous Bryce Hall's pass breakup number was last year, what he got in front of like 22, 23 balls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, this year, Nick Grant is leading the team in pass breakups with six. Yeah. So just to give you an idea of how ridiculous Bryce Hall was last year in that regard. um, And in so many other regards too. um, But he was obviously incredible defending passes last year. Right. So obviously we missed that. And secondary, you know, hopefully they are able to pull this together. You know, we know who the six guys are that are going to be against Liberty. Hopefully that's enough to get us through Virginia Tech. You know, we're just going to have to see how it goes. And we'll
0: see what happens from there on out. So. Number I, six.
1: Number six. uh, It's I, kind of a wash. I'm
0: saying running backs.
1: I'd say running backs too. Yeah. But it, although it's, it's almost incomplete because the running backs just have not been utilized this year. It's and maybe like- it's because they don't deserve to be utilized, but. They just haven't been utilized that much.
0: Although I will say that Talapapa does have eleven touchdowns on yep. the season, which is not insignificant by any means. It's a lot of touchdowns, especially through ten games. It's averaging more than one per game. Uh, he's really good on those short line situations. I think, you know, over the past couple of weeks with Bryce running more and with the O line, you know, fi- finally finding some consistency, uh, Wayne's seen more lanes to shoot through. And when he can find some holes, he's good, but hasn't really shown, you know, too much shiftiness this year. Atkins got a run against Georgia Tech, which is weird. kyer has been playing a little bit too. Hollins, you know, we haven't seen, but uh, he's got talent and hopefully still is the running back of the future. And so I I would say running backs for sure over the O-line.
1: Yeah, you know, Wayne Talapapa, he's actually averaging 4.1 yards a carry, which is better than Jordan Ellis did that junior year. And Jordan Ellis, I think, had 4.2 or 4.3 a carry last year. But, you know, as a team, we're averaging 3.5 yards a carry. You're not going to win many games with those numbers. But, you know, and part of that, which will go into our last unit, is the offensive line. The offensive line just hasn't been what we expected. You know, all the shuffling, which has been talked about a lot, but, you know, just general inconsistency. And I'll tell you... We're lucky we have Bryce Perkins at quarterback because I can point to one play in particular in the first half of that game, yeah. maybe even first quarter, where Bryce breaks off like a 10 or 15-yard scramble, mm-hmm. but the reason he had to scramble is because Bobby Haskins just got dominated. The line of scrimmage yeah, fell it, down. it should
0: have been like an eight-yard sack. Yeah. It really should have. And Bryce made an incredible play, just bounced off a couple guys and uh, ran forward. But yeah, offensive line, just really uh, disappointing as to how it turned out this year. I know there's been some injuries and some shuffling, a lot of inexperience as well. So, it'll be interesting to see in the off season how we deal with that and also recruiting in the future, you know, how are we going to address the offensive line issue? Because at this point, uh offensive line isn't getting any better than it already is. And next year, you know, we're going to have pretty much the same guys yeah. as we do this year. Uh they'll be hopefully better, hopefully mm-hmm. bigger, but you know, we we don't really know and we we can't say. So hopefully in the future we'll have some guys coming up the pipeline and we'll have a better offensive line.
1: Yeah, and I think it's big. Jaquay Hubbard is most likely going to keep his red shirt. He's got two games left on it. It doesn't seem there's an intention to play him, which I like. Um, So that'll help, uh, you know, especially with, uh, you know, Jimmy Chris decommitting and committing to Penn State a couple hours later. And, you know, (laughs) Penn State went on to lose the next day while Virginia went on to win.
0: I think this is a sign (laughs) from God you should have come to us. Yeah. Okay. His last name is Christ, so that joke was bound to come up. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> um so anyway, so those are our rankings. Um obviously a bit different, in some regards similar, but a bit different than where we had. It's similar and different. I,
0: I think really we we moved the linebackers up yep. and we moved the secondary down and moved the O line down. Receivers up way up yeah. as well. From last to first. Yeah. Second. Last of second. Yeah.
1: Heck of a jump, man. Heck of a
0: jump. But uh, that that's our quick of yeah. the unit. So with that, I think that's all of our football talk. You know, we've got a bye week coming up, so uh, probably not much football talk coming up. But we have had a couple of basketball games as well, and that's where we're going to shift our focus now. We're going to talk a little bit about what we've liked so far. We don't have a lot of data so far. Only two games. One against, you know, 2-3 zone playing Syracuse, which is really tough to play, and also a game against JMU. So... We don't have a lot of data, but we have noticed some things that we do want to talk about going forward and what we want to see the team work on and also some things that we've liked. So Rob, let's talk about something that you've liked over the first two games, Syracuse and JMU. What's something that you've noticed?
1: I mean, it's too easy to just say the defense.
0: Defense. because Incredible. The Incredible. defense
1: has obviously always been a strength of Tony Bennett. We've always been one of the top teams in scoring defense, defensive efficiency if you go by Ken Palm. But it kind of got overlooked last year just because we finally had an offense. We Mm -hmm. finally had guys that were able to score when they needed to, you know, the Ty Drums, Kyle Guys, and DeAndre Hunters. And the defense was still good last year. It just wasn't what people were talking about. They were talking about what offense are we going to play? Can we do this? Can we do that? It was Final Four bust because of the offense. And now we're kind of back to kind of old-school Tony Bennett basketball. Mm -hmm. Not to say there's not going to be innovations or there's not going to be new things to come. But this this beginning of the season is old school. Grind it out. You know, Tony Bennett had the quote, it's not always gonna be pretty, but it's gotta be gritty. You know, this is what this team is right now. The offense is coming along. We need more from the guards. It's really driven by the big men right now. But the defense is obviously pretty good. Yeah. They're a pretty good group.
0: Yeah, as as a reference, uh in Ken Palm, you know, our defense last year was adjusted for 100 per 100 possessions teams were going to score about 89 points which is really good uh, for our team this year we're 10 points lower so far 79.8 points per about 100 possessions which is incredible really mm. uh probably one of the lowest scores so far in Kimpom now I know we've played only two games against a really really cold Syracuse team yep. and a pretty offensively inept JMU team who is also missing its best player front court player but that does go to say our defense has been locked down. And even our guards, our new guards, Statman, Morsell, and even uh, well, Tensai uh, a little bit, showed a lot of poise playing the pack line defense, which was surprising to me. I thought it would take a lot longer for them to adjust.
1: Yeah, and just seeing Casey Morsell really for the first time. Dude's got a wingspan. He is know. long. Dude's got a wingspan. Incredible wingspan. hey Clark, we know, can play defense. You know, guards typically find a way to play defense in the Tony Bennett system. I think uh, Statman will get there.
0: Statman has really surprised me. I mean, he, he is not that quick, but he has his length has really bothered some people. And he has been able to use his length to his advantage, staying in front of people, uh, uh, deflecting and altering shots, I'll say not deflecting them or blocking them, but uh, altering them. And he's played much better defense than I thought yeah. he would.
1: Yeah, and then you look at Mamadi Diakite. He's just playing kind of bigger and stronger and more confident all the way around. And then Jay Hoff, you know, still still probably, I would say, you know, this he's still long, you know. I still don't feel like he's fully grown into his body yet. Well, hold but on, is,
0: it, is this our Jay Huff segment? Of the, it doesn't have to be, but I think it might it is. end up Let's being. make it the J Huff segment. But,
1: you know, he's played more consistent. He's playing, what, like 25 minutes a game over these uh-huh. past two games. So, obviously, you know, the ability to even stay in the game for that period of time is a big step up for him. Yeah. And defensively, you know, he's not going to body you, but he's long and he can get in the way.
0: No, so Jay Huff's playing really well right now. His effective field goal percentage is 83.3%. Which is incredible. Hasn't taken a three-pointer all year. Which, that is I actually which is not very, pick up on that. Yeah. very surprising to me that he's playing way more inside than outside this year, which is not something that we saw last year. Last year was a lot of pick and roll, pick and pop. Uh, this year, he's playing a lot of back-to-basket, uh, which is, you know, he's shown that he can do that. We've seen some good hooks, some good inside moves. Still a little hesitant to put it on the floor and drive it at people, but... He looks a lot more confident. He looks a little bit bigger. Rebounding is still a little questionable for him sometimes. He can get bodied around. Mm -hmm. But I think that we can take that with the extra offense that we're getting from him. He's played really well this year as well.
1: So let me ask you this then. Given kind of where we're at with our guard play on offense, you know, we're 8 for 50 right now from three on this two games, but we're shooting 16% from three. Do you think you want to see Jay Huff kind of more outside the arc, you know? Have his three point threat more often?
0: I'm honestly fine with being a bad three point shooting team this year as long as we can keep scoring inside. 16% bad? Uh, not that bad, but like if we can bump it up a little <laughs> bit, I, I think there's a couple things going on here. And one of them, the three point line got moved back. And I know it, it doesn't seem that much, but I think to a basketball player, basketball such a mental game and it's really, really tough for people to. You know, accept that and for players to adjust to it, especially when you you know set your feet. Everything's moving so quickly, and if you have to change even a little motion, it takes a long time to get that muscle memory back. Uh, A great example of this that I was talking to my dad about, and Rob as well, is Mamadi Diani, long time ago, 2008-2009. 2008, 2008, he was a sharpshooter for the UVA Cavaliers, made 63s on 41% shooting. Next year, his senior year, they moved the line back uh just a couple inches to where it was last year. And he shot twenty one percent the next year, only made 12 threes. Was actually benched by Dave Leto because he was he was unplayable at that mm-hmm. point. So it really goes to show how li- like a little movement can actually change everyone's shots. And, you know, it's too bad, but I think that's affecting it a little bit. And, you know, we're looking at Casey Morcel, who is a freshman. First game was in the Carrier Dome, which is big. It's tough. It's always tougher to shoot in big arenas. And also, Cody Statman, first time getting big minutes. World of Tensai, first D1 D1 game. Kihei, never a great three-point shooter last year. So I think we're looking at some guards who need time to get used to this new three-point line as well as just get better at shooting. I think with more cells going to come. I think Statman, I mean, he's known as a shooter, so hopefully it will come back to him. Will of Tensai is known as a shooter, so hopefully we'll come back to him too. But I think it's just going to take a little bit of time for them to adjust, and it will even out eventually. But I, it's not going to be anywhere near as close to what it was last year with Kyle, Ty, Dre, all incredible three-point shooters.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's totally it, man. It's it's a combination of two things. And, you know, obviously you bring up the Diani example. And as a whole, you know, just looking at each year they've moved back the three-point line. The shooting percentage from three has gone down, a percentage and a half to two percentages each season. And, you know, our three-point percentage is going to come up. We're not going to stay at 16% the entire we might. season. I
0: mean, I, we, who can say, but we might.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I'm pretty
0: confident do we will Do you know, off the top of your head, who's our best three-point shooter right now? Without not off looking. the top of my head, no. It's Mamadi, one of three great
1: <laughs> well at least he has he's shown a confidence to stretch out his range but.
0: he is he was you know uh I think he took two against JMU and he took that first one uh right at the top of the key and it seemed really confident to step in yeah, yeah. it's good to see
1: and obviously these players are gonna have to grow on their positions cells gonna get cells one for 11 right now he'll go better you know Kihei Clark he's uh three of 13 from three that'll get better a little bit I think you know Braxton is two for eight he'll get a little bit better Bra-
0: Braxton looked a lot better against JMU than he did again he was two of three against JMU yeah And so he was 0 of five against Syracuse it'll it'll
1: come it'll come together and it's not going to be what it was last year and you know Tony Bennett there was I forget who wrote it it might have been an athletic article but there was some article about the whole premise was Tony Bennett was just laughing at the idea of Momedy and braxton saying they could be as good a three-point shooting yeah. team as last year yeah. and tony bennett was like oh, I, did i really just hear that yeah. but uh no i it'll it'll get better it's not gonna be great um but it'll get better i don't think you know i don't think we got to abandon ship at this point but the data will come as the season comes and you know, it won't be our strength this season, but I think you are gonna have to get some production out of them because to me, the biggest thing that scares me right now, if we were to play a big game, if we were to play a Purdue game right now or a Carolina game right now, is if Mamadi or Jay get in foul trouble, we'd be in big trouble. Yeah, so we or have-
0: even Braxton too. I think I mean Braxton's had a huge impact with his rebounding and his defense, uh, even taking the ball inside a little bit. You know, he's still. Uh, he's been able to make a lot more close shots now. I think teams are going to play a lot of zone on us. I think that's the Jam. You did too. Jam. You so. played zone. It was different than the Syracuse two three, but it still is showing that teams are noticing that we're not a great three point shooting team, and they're just going to make us shoot out there, uh, not letting anything inside. Kind of like the back line, but you know, it'll be interesting to see how we evolve over the season and how you know once we get our play, once we get Kafaro and uh Thomas beck how we can evolve our offense a little bit more and just kind of put guys where they can be successful
1: yeah so i think it'll come together i'm i'm not really too concerned about it at this point i don't think it would be great i don't think the ceiling is very high but i don't think it's going to be some disastrous thing that i don't think it's going to change from what our expectations were before the season i don't think it's going to bring them down cuz i think our expectations kind of baked in yeah uh a three-point shooting performance that's not going to be what it was last year. Yeah,
0: I and I, you know I'm I'm ready for this. I'm excited for this season. I I think that as the season goes on, we're going to learn to love this team just as much as the last team. It's just different, you know. It's a different whole different team, whole different way that we're going to play. And I think it'll be also interesting to see where the offense goes because right now, definitely not where it needs to be. It'll definitely hopefully hopefully go up somewhere. I'm just not sure where yet. Yeah. I'm not sure where yet. That's a big mystery. What what are you looking for besides bringing shooting up? What are you looking for over the next couple of weeks as we play Columbia and as we play some of these other teams like Vermont, Massachusetts, Maine? What are you looking for before that big showdown with Purdue on December 4th?
1: You know, it's something that's going to be evolving really until January and February, Mm -hmm. but just kind of what our rotation looks like. And we're not fully there because – you know, Walda Tensai has a sprained ankle right now. He sat out against JMU. Cafaro had, from what we were told, a minor surgery. Um, so he should be back soon. You know, he was jumping around on the sideline. It's not supposed to be a long-term thing. So we're down. We were down two scholarship players against um, against JMU. And, you know, McCoy could grow into something. He's not quite ready for the big-time minutes yet. We saw that against Syracuse. So, we've really been playing shorthanded. So, really, the question becomes you know, Statman started at guard one game uh, against JMU. Well, 10 size started the Yeah, against Syracuse. So, it's really going to be a lot of experimentation. I'm kind of curious to see where this ultimately lands and. You know, do we stick with Jay and Momedy playing really down low inside positions? Or are we going to stretch the floor a little bit more with them? You know, it's just kind of figuring out the identity of this team. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not, for me, it's not one thing in particular. It's, you know, just kind of how this team evolves. Because this team is going to evolve more than we've seen the past few teams evolve. I, I
0: think the identity is actually really easy. And I think it's Momedy. I think Momedy is the identity of this team. And I think uh, it's kind of like Braxton. You know, Momedy's going to take us wherever he can. And I think however he, you know, expresses himself and how he leads on the floor, he's much more of a leader this year. I mean, the way he directs people, the way he's talking to people, it's it's very noticeable as compared to last year where he was, you know, expressive, but not a leader. Yeah. You know, we had Ty and Kyle and Dre and Jack, four people who were above him. And now he's the only one that's left, really, of that great class and, you know, J2, but I think Mominy has really turned himself into a leader. He looks the part. He's playing the part, and I think that this team is going to go as far as Momany can allow it to go.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think, and I'll tell you, man, he looked he looked way more aggressive and assertive against JMU than I think we've ever seen him.
0: And I like it. I like that Mominy. And then you know, it, you know, watching Mominy when he first came to UVA, thin as a rod. Um, just playing in the AFC with in the whoever AFC. would pick up a basketball yeah, you know and he he loves the game I think he lo- he's loved learning and I always knew that he would become something special because uh, he had all the talents right yeah. he, he was athletic could block shots fouled a lot was no good at offense <laughs> but he's really worked on his game put in a lot of work he's got a jumper uh, able to put back a lot of stuff had a great couple great dunks along the baseline his footwork's a lot better than it used to be. Uh, he's really improved his game, and I'm excited to see, you know, I don't think if he'll get drafted, but when he gets drafted next year.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. I, I think, think that's right.
0: I think that's it. Any any last words on basketball?
1: Nah, no, just let's see where it goes, man. Let's it's, see where it goes. Just ride this thing out. It's going
0: to be a fun see. It's basketball season, and it's also football season. So, yeah. you know, we're in this weird two mode. This year, which is kind of strange. For about a month. Which about is, a month. It's, it's pretty glorious,
1: man. When the football team's still relevant at this time, and you start getting basketball too, it's pretty nice.
0: Ask me again after the Tech game if it's basketball or football season.
1: It's going to be a high or low,
0: man. It's going to be a very high or very low. But with that, I think that's all for us tonight. Thank you so much for listening. This is Guys and Ty's Podcast. Make sure to listen to us on iTunes or Spotify if you want to keep listening. Give us a follow on Twitter. At Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat and Instagram as well at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and check out Armchair Media. They've got a lot of different podcasts, new ones coming in all the time of all your favorite sports teams. And you might like Blue Chew. Give it a try. You know, who, <laughs> who knows what will happen with that? Oh anyway, go who's? Go who's.